Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Elaine B., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Massachusetts. Today is Friday, February 23rd, 2018. Today we're reading from the big book, and we're in the chapter more about alcoholism on page 30, reading the third paragraph, which begins with we alcoholics are men and women. The reference number for the 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting for yesterday, Thursday, February 22nd, is 11,084. That's 11084. And the reference number for this morning's 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting for Friday, February 23rd is 11,088. Nope, 11,086. That's 11086. The OA preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. Our fifth OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Lisa S. to please read the 12 steps. I want to unmute, please, let Lisa. Let me just okay. check if I'm being. Sorry. Oh, here How we about are. that? I'm That's here. Fine. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, thank you. All right. Uh, thank you. My name is Lisa. I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Colorado. And uh, these are the steps we took. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, thought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive eaters and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa S. And I'll now ask Susan R. to please read the 12 traditions. Hi, uh, good morning. This is Susan R. from Warwick, Rhode Island, uh, recovering from compulsive eating. And here are the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, 
an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest monies of, I'm sorry, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever <clears throat> non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for the opportunity to serve, and I pass. Thank you, Susan R. How our meeting works. The meeting focuses on the directions of, for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There's no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We're sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous in Chapter 3 there, more about alcoholism. We're on page 30 reading the third paragraph, and I will now ask Nancy T. to please begin reading. Thank you so much, Wayne. This is Nancy T., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Lewiston, Idaho. Um, I love this paragraph and more about alcoholism. We alcoholics are men and women who have lost the ability to control our drinking. We know that no real alcoholic ever recovers control. All of us felt at times that we were regaining control, but such intervals, usually brief, were inevitably followed by still less control, which led in time to pitiful and incomprehensible demoralization. We are convinced to a man that alcoholics of our type are in the grip of a progressive illness. Over any considerable period, we get worse, never better. This is one of those paragraphs I call one of the power paragraphs in the big book. And the doctor's opinion about alcoholism has tons of those what I call power paragraphs in them. But especially this one, um, I, like many, am a relapse survivor. And so I've had many different experiences where I've had a period of recovery and then gone back out thinking once again, I got this. And um, what this paragraph is telling me in fact, they put the word ever, if you'll notice there, um, in the middle of the paragraph, in italics, meaning pay attention. And that tells me ever means never. There is not going to come a day where I am going to be able to control my eating. Um, given the choice on my own unaided will, I'm going to choose destructive eating every single time. Um, and... This All of us felt at times that we were regaining control. Those are the times. That's the thinking that would happen each time I would head into another relapse. Each time I started thinking, I got this. But what it is that say happens, that is exactly my experience. Every single time I chose the food, I ended up in a worse case. So it's true what they say about being progressive. It gets Every single time it gets worse, never better. I have never had a relapse and then said, oh, that wasn't as bad as the last time. In fact, as an example, I now have one year of clean back-to-back -back abstinence. My last relapse was three and a half years. I regained 140 pounds of the 210 I had lost when I was in recovery. I, I believe I can't survive another relapse like that. I humbly surrender to this 
program, I humbly surrender to my powerlessness. I am so grateful that I get reminders like this. I get paragraphs to read like this and share on this so that I don't forget that there's nothing me, myself, that I can do that's going to fix me. I have to stay connected to that power greater than myself in order to maintain my recovery. And then I just want to say one of the things I learned one time, that little phrase there towards the end that says, to a man, we are convinced to a man. I never knew what that meant, and I took a workshop one time, and the leader of the workshop said that that phrase back in the day when the big book was written meant without exception. So now when I read that, I wrote that in my big book, and so now I read it, we are convinced without exception that alcoholics of our type are in the group of a progressive illness. So that tells me, Nancy, you're not unique. You are not the exception to the rule here, which, of course, in my disease, I like to think I am. This time I got this. This time I'm going to do this. This time I know so much more about nutrition and exercise and all this that I can I can do this on my own. Um, I humbly submit I cannot ever do it on my own. I am so grateful for my higher power who I connect with daily and stay connected throughout my day so that I can maintain my recovery one day at a time. Thank you so much for allowing me to be of service, and I can't wait to hear the rest of your shares on this paragraph. Thank you very much, Nancy T. Who would like to comment on this paragraph today? Lampy. Lampy. Carrie K. John K. Okay. Okay. I heard, um, I believe it was Larry. Did I hear Larry? John K. Len G. Carrie P. Mo H. Did I miss anybody? And was that Larry? <laughs> Carrie K. I got Carrie K. Thank you, Carrie. Okay. That's that's probably who I thought because. Um, I heard Glenn's voice too. John K. Glenn, Glenn, no, Len P. Len P. Um, Carrie K. Mo H. Anybody else? Lisa S. Lisa S. All right. Okay. We'll start out with John K. Please go ahead. You'll be followed by Len P. Okay. <clears throat> Thanks, I'm John Kiernan, recovered compulsive over here in Los Angeles. Thanks to. Team Friday for all your service. Um, I'll tell you this line. All of us felt at times that we're regaining control, but you, such intervals, usually brief, were inevitably followed by still less control. Well, that sentence uh, sums up for me, you know, not only the basis of addiction and coming to step one, but also the basis for relapse. And, you know, in my case, it was a long relapse cycle, you know. <clears throat> and it, it ties in perfectly with that line in the, one of the previous paragraphs that talks about countless vain attempts. You know, I, I remember when I did my first uh, special edition back in, like, I think it was December 2015, it was on relapse, and Leah wanted to know uh, what I should, she should call it, and I said, we'll call it our countless vain attempts, because that was what summed up my relapse cycle. You know, during those times when I wasn't in the food, usually brief, <laughs> I had deluded myself into believing that those were times of actual abstinence. You know, looking back now, I know they really weren't. I was on a long, years-long cycle, actually, an in-and-out cycle. I'd have sometimes in, sometimes out, and yeah, sometimes I was in from time to time. And those in times could be weeks or months, but, you know, they always led to a pitiful and a comprehensible demoralization. You know, but they weren't really abstinence. Um, you know, why? Because I didn't believe I was powerless. I said I was powerless, but I kept going out. You know, what was I saying? Was I saying the heck went away? No, I was saying, when I'm ready, I will come back and I will get abstinent again. Well, you know, that's not powerlessness. That's powerfulness. But, you know, why did I think that? Well, because I'd done it over and over and over in the past. I knew that if I went out, when I came back... I could eventually grind that train to a halt again. It might mean going to 90 meetings in 90 days, getting a new sponsor, doing a lot of writing, but I would eventually get abstinent, and I'm using quotes there again. Because the, the trouble with that, though, is as soon as I did, I started the clock ticking on when I would go out again. You know, because for me then, food was still an option. You know, I had to understand that I wasn't the one who got me abstinent. God gave me that gift, the gift of absence, and continues, you know, a day at a time today. But only I can give it away. You know, no higher power ever reached down and took away anybody's abstinence. I gave it away every time. 
what I had to come understand, I couldn't understand about real powerlessness as it pertained to my disease. It meant food could no longer be an option. It could be nourishment. I can enjoy it. But it couldn't be an option to when I was dealing with my emotions. And, you know, until I believed that, I was doomed to be on that years-long relapse cycle. And thank God today I'm not. And with that, I pass. Thank you very much, John. Uh, Len P., you're up next, followed by Carrie Kay. So this is Len P. calling from sunny Southern California. And uh, I, too, love this paragraph. And I, I like the reader, uh, suffered a horrible relapse for three years and incidentally gained back 130 pounds of the 200-plus pounds that I had lost. It's very similar, kind of amazing. But, you know, the first sentence really holds so much meaning for me. And it says, you know, we learned we had to fully concede to our innermost selves that we were uh, alcoholics. And, you know, the problem with with me and, and going out is when I started taking back control and thinking that I was responsible for this recovery and that I was responsible for my weight loss, that's where I got into trouble, you know, forgetting that it was, like John Kay said, a gift uh, that my higher power gave me. And, uh, and I did, would take it back. I didn't, fully concede, you know, uh, to my innermost self that I truly was a compulsive eater. You know, I thought, well, you know, I got this, I, I, I got this food plan down and I could do this thing and do the deal. And, ah, you know, I don't really need to continue doing this step work. And I don't really need, I could start trimming back on my meetings and I don't really need to do some of the tools. And, um, you know, bottom line, when I started getting back into that idea that I got this, and that I was responsible for my, um, um, you know, my uh, recovery, that's when I got into trouble, you know. Uh, This go-round after just a horrible relapse um, and, you know, actually, you know, fully embracing the steps and fully embracing the idea that I'm not responsible for uh, my recovery I know in my heart of hearts that I am a compulsive eater and that I'm not in delusion anymore, uh, that I am like another person, that I'm a normie when it comes to food. I have to smash that idea out of my head. I will never be a normie, and that idea has to be smashed out daily. I am a compulsive eater. I am recovered, but I'm not cured. And that little, you know, neural pathway is still very much alive in my brain. It's if I choose to go down that path, you know, a very wise man in program says I have a choice. You know, do I choose recovery or do I choose the disease when I'm faced with that emotional uh, engine that drives my illness? You know, when I have that angst, when I have that feeling uh, and these horrible uh, thoughts, you know, do I choose to check out emotionally and run to an addiction, any addiction, it could be anything, or do I choose to work the steps? And, you know, the more I reinforce using the steps, the more I reinforce knowing that I'm not a normie, and the more that I am in recovery. And, um, and I'm so grateful today. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you, Lenti. Carrie Kay, you're up next, followed by Mo H. Good morning. This is Carrie Kay, recovering in Colorado. I don't know which I liked better, the reading or some of the sharing I've heard, but I frequently struggle with the surrender part. I am so used to doing things myself and being self-reliant. And either thinking I can have just one, knowing there's no such thing in my mind, there is no such thing as just one, because if I have just one, just one trigger bite of my trigger food, then I'm lost. And whether that loss of abstinence will last for the day or a week or six months, I have no crystal ball. So I have no business even taking that risk. And so the part for me is instead of white knuckling it on my own, I have to remember to surrender this to a higher power 
and seek help in getting past my disease and therefore maintaining my abstinence because abstinence is just a step on the road to recovery. But without that step, I can't continue down the path to recovery. So I battle my mind, not only as that's where my disease lives, but I also battle my mind in thinking I have this, I can do this on my own, I can white knuckle this abstinence. And it's all about surrender and not about me. And sometimes I just need to be reminded of that. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Carrie Kay. Mo H, you're up next, followed by Lisa S. Uh, good morning. Uh, Elaine, thank you for your service and all those doing this service this Friday. Uh, my name is Mo H. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Northern California. We know that no real alcoholic ever recovers control. I finally had to accept that I was a real compulsive overeater. Not a moderate, not a hard, but a real. I may have progressed over my years of life, but it got very, very bad. And even in the rooms, I was, my eating got even worse when I was in the rooms. But one of the things I was thinking about this morning as I read this wonderful paragraph was um, an expression that was used uh, back in the day called take what you want and leave the rest. And I did that. I took just pieces of the program that I wanted that will fit into my life and I left the rest. And it wasn't until, as I say, my Ebby introduced me to this big book, which was the first book that was sold to me in 1989. And I didn't crack it open uh, with enthusiasm until two and a half years ago, or two years ago plus, uh, by studying it uh, and really, really working the steps the way it's outlined in this book. And so the control piece, which is four times in this paragraph, I had to let go of control of the way I wanted to work the program, the way I thought it should be worked, and work it the way my sponsor uh, told me how to work it because she had learned how to work the big book from her sponsor. And I learn every day on this phone line some golden nugget that I will carry with me into my day. And I'm so grateful to the person who shared uh, what uh, to a man meant because I never understood that myself. And it says without exception. All right. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Elaine. I forgot to set my timer. But with that, I will pass. Thank you, Mo H. Lisa S., please go ahead. Great. Thank you. This is Lisa S., a compulsive eater bulimic in Colorado. And um, this is... uh, pretty powerful step one stuff going on here um, that we will never regain control. Um, And that feeling that at times we were regaining control, for me what I've really seen is that this is about that mental twist. Um, And when I'm humming along, I've worked the steps, I've got this thing, quote, unquote, these quiet little silly little voices come along and start telling me these little stories. We all know them. To me, what I have learned is that that's the mental twist. It's always going to come back and say, oh, you're going to be so recovered, you'll be normal, or something like that, like the craziest thoughts on the planet, right? That's my addict self, the powerless self that is desperately like a drowning man trying to get me back into the food in all its quiet little subtle ways. And the way it does it is, look, you're normal. Oh, you can do it this time. Oh, you don't really belong here. Oh, this, that, and the other, these sweet little voices that are, you know, I'm, I'm learning to hear them. I'm learning to love them. I'm learning to say thank you. Thank you so much, you know. Uh, but no, I'm going to be in alignment with my higher power here, right? Like I, these steps are all about really being honest honest enough to hear those voices, willing enough to see the truth and willing to then go back and find in my heart of hearts that connection to my higher power, that connection to 
the power that is greater than my addict self that is part of me, that is in me, that talks to me, that I can connect with. Um, but as soon as I let go of that connection, as soon as I move back into self, or sometimes I don't even have to, it's just in the background, I just need to be aware that that connection is the most important thing in my entire life today. God is either everything or nothing, and I am really getting that on a deeper level. And I think that's the biggest thing for me is every morning taking step one, remembering I'm powerless, remembering to believe, remembering moment by moment to maintain that connection is what is um, this solution is about. Because I love the neural pathway you mentioned earlier. It's true. We have to retrain our brains, um, our beautiful tool. It's a beautiful tool, that brain. And we do have the choice. We do have the choice to choose alignment with our greater selves. And this program works that way. So anyway, thank you with that, I'll pass. Thank you very much, Lisa, Ace. Lisa S. So we are reading and commenting on chapter three, more about alcoholism. We're on page 30 and we're reading and commenting on the third paragraph, which begins, we alcoholics are men and women. Who would like to comment on that paragraph today? Ginger C. Ginger C. Libby Rose E. Chris K. Libby K. Kelly, Kelly F. Chris uh, K. Chris K. Kelly S. Kelly. I heard somebody else in there besides Sherry K. B. Rose M. Rose M. That's it. Okay, great. Um, we may have time for one more. For now. I'm sorry, didn't quite get it. Someone else? Jordan L. Jordan L. Thank you very much. Okay. Let's see. I have Ginger C. Libby A, I believe. Chris K. Kelly C. Sherry K. B. Rose M. And Jordan L. And um, please go ahead, Ginger. Hi. Good morning, Elaine. Thanks so much for your service. Uh, Ginger C. Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Colorado. And this paragraph is a really painful paragraph. You know, um, this incomprehensible demoralization. And that's exactly the, what my sugar disease was. And I was amazed the depths that I had to take before I was able to surrender and say, okay, this is killing me and I need help. And I just pray anyone that's suffering today, I hope today's pain is enough because... When you're eating, you may not think that you're hurting those around you, but you absolutely are. And this pain is coming because it reminds me of where I was when I was in the food because the food had taken over my life and I could not get out of my bed. And some of you on the line, you know me and you know a nickname for me is Generator Ginger. That's because I'm a shaker and a mover. And I get things going. But when I eat, I can't do anything and I want to die. And the pain gets so bad that my greatest thought is I got to die and I got to kill myself because I can't handle another minute of this pain. And that's what happens with any disease, with any addiction. It will only progress. And I hope you don't have to go to that depth before you're willing to say enough. This is your life. It's passing you by. I have given this sugar addiction my entire life, and I'm so grateful not to be giving it another second today. But someone just said the greatest line, and it's my favorite line in this big book. Remember, I have an incredibly short memory. It's the ism. And it wants me to forget. Everything centers in my mind. It wants me to forget the pain of being in bed and thinking, you know, my kids thought I had cancer. They didn't know what was going on. They just knew their mom wasn't getting out of bed. And they would come home from school and find me in that state. So, again, if you think it's just you that you're affecting by your weight gain, you're absolutely wrong. You are hurting those around you. And I know it's a disease, and I know we're powerless over it. But again, I hope today's pain's enough because life has new meaning when you put down the food and a meaning that you never even thought or dreamt of. This higher power loves you and wants great things for you, but you can't block it by eating. 
you got to put down the food and say, okay, today's pain is enough, and I'm going to try a new way. And you know the gift, you're on vision for you. You hear all these amazing, beautiful. Ginger? Absolutely can be out. And with that, I pass. Thank you very much, Ginger C. Libby, is your first initial of your last name G? No, it's Libby E. Um, Libby E. You'll be followed by Chris K. Thank you so much. Thank you, and thanks for a great meeting. Um, my, hi, my name is Libby E., and I'm a recovering compulsive eater in New York. And I just want to clean my seat. I'm so grateful for this paragraph. No real alcoholic ever recovers control. And I didn't want to believe that. And I tried for years and years in these rooms to regain that control, looking and searching for easier, softer ways. But it says all of us felt at times that we were regaining control. And yeah, in relapse, that's what I, I wished for. And that's what I kept trying again and again. I thought if I'm in these rooms so long, maybe this time if I pick up, it won't be that bad. But that was not the truth. Over any considerable period, we get worse, never better. And that was my experience. And what does it mean that we get worse? Does that only mean that I'll gain 70 pounds instead of 50 pounds? I mean, yeah, that's going to happen. But just like the previous person just shared, for me, the unmanageability of life got worse. I mean, my life was falling apart. This disease affected every single area of my life until I could not go on living the way I was living. And, you know, they say pain is the greatest motivator and the pain of relapse, having a head full of program and still relapsing again and again, that was what did it for me. Because which normal person does something that they know clearly will cause them tremendous pain and suffering. I mean, I knew what that one bite will do, but I kept doing it again and again. And thank God, I believe, and I know in my heart today that I will never recover control. <clears throat> and today, it's not about working really hard to be abstinent and, and trying to control this whole thing. It's about throwing my hands up, surrendering, and working these steps, steps like my life depends on it because it really does. And I do understand today that, um, and I know today what I need to do, and I'm so grateful to Vision for you, because on this meeting, I heard the truth. I heard what I need to do to get well, work this program of action, these 12 steps, recover, recover, recover. And I'm so grateful that I trusted the process and that I was willing to give it a try. Thanks for allowing me to share that pass. Hi, this is Chris Kay, a compulsive overeater, and I just love vision. I can't get enough of it. I thank you so much, moderator, and I look forward to helping out as soon as I can. Um, what I want to say is um, it wasn't until I realized that food is my God. Food is my God. And when I'm eating, I am worshiping my God. And it's not till I'm abstinent that I am not worshiping my God because that's not what he wants. That's not what the God of food wants. So I have to not worship that God. That is not the God. That That is not my God anymore. I have a new God that loves me, and the God of food does not love me. However, as soon as I would get out of the prison of a hundred pounds, I would, I would think I'm free. I don't know what... That's a craziness. I'm out of the prison of 100 pounds, and I would have this delusion of I'm free. And the sneakiness would get in there, and it would be sneaky, not right away. 
And I have to say, no. Oh, God. No, you bad God. I need my new God. I need my new God that loves me. And I need to put him first and follow his steps and his way of life. Just like it says in the third step prayer, which I have written on my wall across from my toilet so that every time I go to the toilet, I read that step prayer that many times of the day so that I have it in my mind over and over and over that I will do his will and not the food's will because I hate every single minute of every single day and lost my life in the program, out of the program, and I pass. Thank you very much, Chris K. Kelly C., you're up next, followed by Sherry KB. Hey, it's Kelly S., as in Sam, or oh, Stafford. Kelly, Kelly S., right. thank you. That's right. Kelly Stafford in Oklahoma, recovered compulsive overeater. Um, just so grateful to be on this meeting and listening to this chapter. Um, pretty much my story is like everybody else, which is one of the reasons Vision for You has been my Ebby. Um, because I was so terminally unique, you know, I've been around these rooms for 30-something years and was just sure I was the only one who wasn't getting it, you know, and that I was a hopeless variety. And then, you know, I listen to you guys, and you guys all have my story. I mean, there's people who have been around as long, if not longer, than than me, and it can happen for us. You know, it can happen, and it has happened to me. And, you know, it was that thing of, you know, fully conceding like we read about yesterday, which I never had done. And, you know, it says here we – you know, at times we thought we were gaining control, um, usually brief. You know what I realized when I came in, <clears throat> when I started listening to Vision for You and really started studying the big book, I'm not really sure I can say I relapsed because I don't think I ever, well, I can tell you for a fact, I never recovered. I had abstinence. I had weight loss. I'm, I actually never even made a full year of that. You know, I've lost my weight. Um, I'm maintaining now 125-pound weight loss and I'm almost three years recovered, but I never was able to even stay abstinent for a year in the past. You know, I worked a program of tools. And so how can I relapse from something I never had? You know, I used to always say, I'm in relapse, I'm in relapse. But, you know, I had to have lost something. I never gained it. And so what I didn't know, I didn't know the real problem. You know, I thought food was my problem, as we've heard. And and living was my problem. Food was my solution. And I had to find a better way to do life. You know, I didn't understand. And it wasn't until I got to that place of incomprehensible, you know, pitiful and incomprehensible demoralization, as other people who shared before me who have said, you know, it, it got to where it wasn't about the weight anymore. Yeah, I mean, I hated being 125 pounds overweight. Who didn't? Who doesn't? But you know what? I also hated life. I was at that jumping off point it talks about in the big book. You know, I couldn't kill myself, but I hated every day. I lived a life of fear. I mean, what was the point of life? I was miserable. You know, I just... I mean, that kind of, uh, that kind of feeling, I just, I couldn't think of going on another day and thank God because of that, I was finally willing to put the food down and that's where it starts. You know, I never conceded. I wanted my cake and eat it too. I didn't want to admit, you know, I needed to do that once and for all. I had to have no lurking reservation as the big book talks about. And I finally did that. And because I was able to get out of my drug, put the plug in the jug, then pick up this hit a spiritual, you know, tools, as it talks about, I'm working these steps, I'm living this life, I'm praying and meditating, and like all the corny slogans, uh, you know, I'm living my life beyond my wildest dreams, I used to roll my eyes at that, well, because I never freaking had it to know how cool it is, so you know what, it can happen for any of us, it happened for me, and I'm just so grateful today for all of you guys and for this recovery, and especially for Bill W., my higher power in this big book, and with that, I pass, thank you so much. Thank you very much, Kelly S. Sherry KB, you're up next, followed by Rose M. Good morning, Elaine. Good morning, everybody. It's Sherry KB in Northern California. Very grateful, recovered compulsive our reader. Thank you so much for your service, Elaine, and everybody on the line, and welcome any newcomers. Uh, this is such a powerful paragraph. Um, first thing that jumps out at me is that the word control is in here four times in a very small paragraph, and so it's telling me that I've lost the ability to control my eating, um, and, and someone like me, a real compulsive overeater, ever recovers control. Um, I tried to gain, regain control, but it never worked. Uh, 
it was always brief, um, and that I had less control even after that, and that, you know, I tried to convince myself that, you know, and it's telling me of my type, and I don't know about you, but I am definitely of this type. Um, I'm in, I am in the grip of a, of a progressive illness, and even though I'm in, I am recovered, um, I will never get, um, I will always get worse if I get my disease. It, it will never get better. My disease will never get better. What what happens is I am I have recovered, but I'm never cured, and I always need to remember that because I've had years of countless vain attempts of trying to control my eating. And yeah, I thought I was abstinent, but that's what the difference was for me is that I was abstinent. It wasn't my higher power doing it for me because I was trying to run the Sherry Show, and I was miserable. I was white knuckling it, but I was abstinent. The difference for me is when. My higher power, when I've been in this book, work the steps, live in the steps, I'm abstinent happily and contently, and I'm not white-knuckling it, and I do feel carried by my higher power. That's the difference. And I, I do think about when I first came in the rooms, I heard, take what you like and leave the rest. My disease just loved that one. Take And then take what you like and think about the rest. I uh, still loved that one. My disease did. But take what you like and give God the rest. Um, and my higher power is running the show, not me. That's the difference today because I don't need to control this because I am being taken care of by living in the steps and working the steps because that is my solution. And without that, I will go back face down in the food um, and I will be um, in a delusion of thinking I can control this because that's what I've done most of my life until I got into this work, work the steps, um, got unblocked from my higher power, connected with my higher power, and my higher power keeps me abstinent happily. Um, But before, it was always trying to run the Sherry Show, and um, I can't do that. Um, I'm I'm much more happier when my higher power is. And the the insanity is when I thought that, you know, food was my higher power. Um, That's some crazy thinking. But when I was in it, I didn't think so. That's that's when I was in my disease, and my disease never goes away. But um, as as long as I enlarge my spiritual life by staying in this work, doing the steps, and helping others, I have a really good chance. And so do you. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sherry KB. Rose M., you're up next, followed by Jordan L. Hi, um, this is Rose M. Um, from the Philadelphia area. Um, when I read this paragraph, it um, it, it reminded me of um, how I just didn't know that this was happening to me before I had read the big, big book and before I met all of you. And before I found vision for you, and before I really found um, a way, um, I had no idea that this paragraph was me, and um, you know uh, that I was going through this. Um, I always thought that I was going to regain control every single, every single, you know, diet, whatever that I did before. Um, was just, you know, all about like you have the willpower to do this, you can do it. You know, I never knew that I couldn't, and I um, I just didn't know that um, that what I was going through was something that all of you were going through. I I thought I was alone, um, and I thought that no one and nothing could help me. Um, I um, I just kept thinking that um, that I was going to get control, and um, you know, I watched this happen to my mother growing up. Um, you know, somebody who had shared previously had talked about how her children didn't understand why she couldn't get out of bed. And, you know, that was my mother. And she never did get out of bed. She never did. And, um, sorry, I'm just so thankful um, for all of you because, um, Really, I thank God every day for all of you because you said to me, look, this happened to me, and look at this big book. Read this big book because there's a way out, and you don't have to live like this, and your higher power is is your defense. You know, um, relying on your higher power brings you healing. Um, I didn't know this was a progressive illness um, until I met all of you, and um and until you told me, um, and I'm just, I'm just continually thankful for that um, because I, I'm, I'm better. Um, I, I'm not worse. 
um, I'm not dying and I'm getting out of bed and I'm able to be a mother to my child. Um, so thank you. And um, with that, I pass. Thank you, Rose M. Jordan L., you're up next, please. Hi. Can you hear me? Yes. Cool. Um, <clears throat> my name is Jordan L. I live in Silverthorne, Colorado. And um, I'm a compulsive overeater of <laughs> the hopeless variety, um, which is actually turns out to be a good thing. Um, it sounds kind of dismal, but um, <clears throat> so this first line, we alcoholics are men and women who have lost the ability to control our drinking. We know that no real alcoholic ever recovers control. Um, and I guess, like, I don't know, when I when I read that and I'm thinking about control and stuff, um, like for me, I've kind of, I've kind of moved past um, the first step and I'm kind of in the second step now because like I said, I have to, um, I have to be convinced that I'm hopeless, you know, um, which again, sounds pretty dismal, but in, in my experience, like the experience of someone who <laughs> tends to be uh, pretty resistant towards things and pretty skeptical towards new things, in my experience, um, being hopeless is a good thing. Um, because it, it it means that I can I can start moving away from the problem step one, um, and towards the solution, which is step two, you know, um, and start moving towards a higher power. And um, if you're like me and you have resistance towards like that term, um, a higher power, whatever, um, or a god or a creator or a um, whatever of the universe um it's it's all good you know um like you you can recover too you can start out on this journey and still recover too um and i like i don't always agree with all the stuff that's said on the line some of it i think is like i said i'm resistant and skeptical but um i do have to say that the message in this big book um it rings true and it rings true for a lot of different people coming from a lot of different places and a lot of different situations. Um, and it can, it applies to me and it can also apply to them. Um, even those people that I don't always agree with. Um, and that's, that's pretty, that's pretty cool. That's something pretty rare um, in this world. So I do have to say, <laughs> I think it, it could quite possibly be a miracle. Um, <clears throat> but that's all I really need here um, is to listen to these words and, and to start um, identifying with being hopeless, you know, um, only so that I can be completely emptied out, only to make space for um, for something new and that works and is solid and um, will something continue wonderful. to work. Yes, will continue to work if um, if I stick around, you know. So anyway, um, thanks for letting me share this morning. That's all. Thank you. We have just about one minute left for one and a half minutes for Burning Desire. Someone would like to share? This is Kathy Jo P. Please go ahead, Kathy Jo. Hi, this is Kathy Jopi in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and I was waiting for the day that I would want this help and that I would be ready and that I would um, be willing to get make the changes. And I was in a 22-year relapse, and I pretended most days like I didn't care about weighing 303 pounds and feeling horrible about my physical state and my blood pressure and my relationships and my well-being. And I loved Ginger's share earlier. And I 
am so grateful that I got to the state of being desperate enough to being willing to doing this work and to make the changes. And I, too, like Ginger, and want to plead with you, um, please, if you are willing to give it a try and give up and ask for help, the help is here for you. And it gets better every day. It's not easy, but um, we're here for you. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you very much, Kathy Jopi, and everybody who has shared. We're now going to transition the meeting um, by reading the page 164 in the big book, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Jody EQ please read a vision for you? Yes, I will, with pleasure. This is Jody EQ, gratefully recovered in California. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.